Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode is supported by Union Hall Workspace, which offers a more productive and professional working experience than your local coffee shop. This unique co-working space is right in the middle of Amarillo, and it's used by remote workers and small business owners. All kinds of folks use Union Hall. It even offers offices for rent with flexible memberships so you can choose where, when, and how you work. I've actually even recorded a handful of podcast episodes there. It was early in the life of Hey Amarillo, and it's just a really great space. Union Hall, your work, your way. To learn more, visit unionhalltx.com. That's unionhalltx.com. Today's guest is Stephen Crandall. Stephen has recently been named the new artistic director of the Texas Outdoor Musical. Right now, though, he's still working as the head of West Texas A&M University's Department of Art, Theater, and Dance in the Sybil B. Harrington College of Fine Arts and Humanities. But Stephen's new position is something of a return for him because he used to perform in Texas. Actually, he and his wife met while performing one summer with the show many years ago. He's also performed in the city of Chicago, but he's no stranger to the local stage either. And his story is a familiar one. It's the kind in which somebody grows up here in Amarillo, leaves here for somewhere else, and then realizes there's no place like home. So here's Stephen Crandall. Stephen Crandall, welcome to the Hey Marilla podcast. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I, uh, I'm honored to have you here. I'm looking forward to our conversation, and I want to start with you the same way that I start with all my guests, and that's to ask you how you ended up here. So why are you here in the Amarillo Canyon area? Well, I was born here in Amarillo. Um, I spent the first, uh, I guess, 23 years of my life here. And then uh, went away for, you know, seven, eight years or so. And then job opportunity at WT brought me back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably the story of a lot of people that leave the area. They Something brings them back. And uh, I was living in Chicago at the time um, that a, a teaching position at WT became available. And um, kind of on a whim, applied for it. Hmm. And um, lo and behold, you know, I, I I was meant to come back, I think. So... Yeah, so I've been back since uh, 2010 and uh, teaching at WT since that time. Where did you go to high school? Tascosa High School. Okay. Yeah. And what happened after graduating from Tascosa? Did you go away for college? I did not. I uh, started at Amarillo College. Mm -hmm. Um, I was uh, a science major at the time. All right. Uh, My intention at coming out of high school was to go to medical school. Um, I was looking at pediatrics. so I was kind of uh, in the chemistry biology world um, at first, mm-hmm. and did that for a seems couple- a little different from what you do now. <laughs> it's but a I little mean. different, uh, you know. I I kind of evolved over my time at Emerald College. Um, started doing some. Uh, I had done theater in high school, mm-hmm. so started doing some theater at Emerald College and at Emerald Little Theater, and. Kind of about, you know, two to three years, um, I was at, sort of at that mark where I needed to transfer, um, mm-hmm. and I was also kind of at a crossroads of deciding, do I really want to pursue the medical field, or is the artistic side of my brain really calling? So, um, yeah, so I I kind of uh, got to a place where I realized, wow, I think I really want to pursue some, you know, the arts in mm-hmm. some way. And theater was kind of my 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 avenue, so I I started pursuing that um, fully and decided to you know switch gears degree wise, yeah. transfer to WT, uh, try to complete a theater degree as quickly as I could, and then um, and then from there decided to pursue you know higher training, higher level graduate level training in theater, so um, left to go do that. Is basically. that what took you to Chicago? Yeah. Well, I went, We, we my wife and I actually moved to New York, um, lived in New York for a year, uh, and then I went to graduate school, um, got into a, an MFA program at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Okay. So lived in Vegas All for right. four years, and then after Vegas, ended up heading to Chicago to try to kind of test the waters in professional theater and just professional uh, performance and 
Uh, we had some friends up there that kind of enticed us. We, we'd never been to Chicago, but we ended up loving it. Um, so ended up in Chicago for a couple of years. And then about that time, this teaching opportunity back home became available. I'd like to hear just kind of about your thought process, because I know there are, there are probably lots of college students that, that go through this, where they have something that seems normal or parent approved, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. I'm going to mm-hmm. go into the medical field or right. I'm going to be a scientist or whatever that's going to be. And then you find that you have a talent for something that's a little bit less certain, mm-hmm. you know, like theater. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, people make a living doing theater, but it's not like you can just go get a theater job, you know, right. like you can go into medical school or mm-hmm. whatever. Tell me how you navigated that, mm-hmm. just kind of thinking about your future, trying to weigh you know, a, a, an artistic passion or an artistic talent against something that seemed more conventional. Yeah. Obviously, my my family, my parents were really eager to see me pursue something like a medical career mm-hmm. that promised, you know, a certain amount of... of um, stability. Stability, maybe. yeah. And just, you know, uh, the promise of a paycheck, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and, 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 and from my upbringing, that was an important part of it. You know, um, I was really always a good student. And so, you know, I, I, I didn't have to work too terribly hard to really succeed in that area. Um, and that I'm blessed with, with just the ability to really have a good memory. And, um, and I was interested in that field, interested in pursuing that, but I kind of got to a place where I started to feel kind of bogged down in the study of science Mm -hmm. and, and I, I don't know, something just kind of, I got the itch, I guess, uh, in high school of performance and, you know, the, the, the feeling, the things that it, it gives a person in yeah. regards to just filling you up and helping you find ways to express yourself in ways you've not uh, been able to do so before. And it just kind of always stuck with me. And so I kind of just reached a place where the opportunities to perform started to grow and my weariness of academic study mm-hmm. uh, in that way uh, was growing. And so I, I made a decision to kind of, um, yeah, completely shift gears. And, I, and at the time, I remember I wasn't terribly worried about it. It wasn't a fearful decision. It was just, I don't really know where this is going to take me, but I know this is what I really should do right uh, for me. And you knew you were good at it, too. I, I mean, there, I think... <laughs> There's a place where a natural talent kind of starts to drive the bus yeah. as opposed to this is what I'm supposed to do, yeah. but this is what I'm really good at. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was, people were saying, you, you should mm-hmm. do this. You know, you, you know, I was, the casting opportunities were, were getting more significant and I, you know, Texas even became a part of that. I auditioned for Texas mm-hmm. and, you know, landed the, the role of Calvin and, and that kind of opened up a door for me as well is seeing, oh, okay, maybe I can pursue this, find ways to support myself doing it, but also find, you know, uh, something else within it. Uh, and I don't know what, you know, I, it took me a while to figure that out um, through grad school, but I, I just kind of came to the realization that I wanted to pursue t- my talent, mm-hmm. what I think it was giving me and fulfilling in me um, versus, you know, really trying to pursue a, a scholar or academic kind of career that really would have taken me in an entirely different direction. I, I haven't talked to too many people who um, have performed at the level that you have, but I I want to guess that there may also be sort of an addictive quality to being on stage in front of people, the adrenaline or the, the rush, and mm-hmm. that that's something that it really kind of feeds you, and and that once you've experienced it, you 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 want more of that. Is, <laughs> that, is that accurate? Absolutely. I mean, I I I I reached a place where uh, in my career where where that 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 kept me going. That you know that 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 opened up even parts of me that I had not really I think accessed before. Mm-hmm. I think um, performance and acting in general can be a really humanizing experience. And so it, it, I felt like I was kind of growing as a human as I was pursuing performance. And 
and the yeah the 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 addiction of of performing and that that feeling it's it's sort of a zen like experience mm -hmm. you know and a when, flow state yeah exactly and when you are in it it's yeah you can't describe it you know you want to continue to pursue that opportunity so i i did and uh, it 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 has paid you know, it's led me in an interesting path. Uh, I don't know that I ever anticipated becoming a teacher or an educator, but it I do feel like I perhaps was channeled through that performance side of me to get to where I'm at now, which is, um, you know, teaching, educating, trying to help cultivate young artists, mm -hmm. um, be a part of creating something you know, that, that is um, a little bit more on the directing side of things mm -hmm. now. And so, yeah. Okay, so I, I know that we will talk more in depth about Texas in a little bit, but I do want to hear about you, you know, performing in the musical as Calvin Armstrong, you know, in your early 20s, mm -hmm. you know, as, as one of these first big roles, you know, in the canyon, in this, you know, a role that, what, 20 other people probably had played before mm -hmm, you that mm -hmm. people knew? So, so tell me what that was like. Uh, it, it was a eye-opening experience. I, I, I remember really fondly driving out to the canyon for the first time and sort of just seeing, you know, I had been to the canyon many times as, you know, growing up here, but I there was just something different about going down there and knowing that I was going to be a part of this production, which mm -hmm. I had seen and loved and, and just was kind of enamored by um, – it just felt enormous. It felt like I was a part of something way bigger than me and, uh, you know, trying on that costume for the first time and, and starting to rehearse down in the space and really try to develop and understand the character and, and you know, kind of taking on the persona of Calvin, who is, he, you know, he's such a, uh, a, a an earnest and diligent and hardworking and stubborn kind of character. Um you know, a young man who really is is motivated by something very strong in him. You know, mm -hmm. his his family, his belief in this area, his desire to to make it better, to build something for himself. I mean, all of that computed for me. You know, it, it connected in me in ways that I didn't expect, and so uh, it was an it was a a huge moment for me because it. Um, it gave me that first taste of professional performance. Yeah. Uh, you know, Not just like a high school exactly. or college it, thing. Right. How old it, were you at the time? I was 20. Uh, let's see, 1999. I was, I was 20. Okay. 20, almost 21. And you were familiar with the play. You'd yeah. seen it. When, mm -hmm. when you go into a role like that, that, you know, different actors every year, you know, have, have stepped into that mm -hmm. role. Do you bring any of that with you or do you try to add something new to it? I mean, how much flexibility is there? In an established role, an established performance like that, I, I think there is a surprising amount of flexibility, but you have to respect, you know, where does this fit in the tradition of the production, mm -hmm. and in yeah, and in any past experiences of of, of seeing somebody play the role. I saw uh, a, a guy named Sean McRae play Calvin. Um, I think two years before I auditioned. And I, he was a fantastic actor, and he captured the character I think so well. And I that that definitely influenced me. But I think when it came down to it, I just kind of tried to absorb the the character in the script and on the page, and then just try to try to live it, you know. And and that I was so young and 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 somewhat untrained yeah. at that time. I was. I, I think everything I was doing as an actor was instinctual because uh, I hadn't had the, the 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 training and the teaching that that I I know I probably needed. But it so I think my first, particularly that first summer, it was it was pretty gut driven, and I um, I think I was able to tap into the kind of the innate qualities of the character that I think I shared with the character. Yeah. you know, and that really. That that's that's how I operated, but it was just a magical summer. I mean, I I think back to that that summer. It 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 changed my whole perspective. It is, I think, what inevitably started me down that path of saying, maybe I don't want to pursue a science mm -hmm. career or a medical career. Maybe I do want to be an actor. Um, 
and uh, maybe a foolish decision, you know, <laughs> some would consider, but I, it has always felt right for me. So uh, I continue to, to commit to that decision I made. I'm interested in hearing from you as a performer about the, the external parts of that play. You know, when you're in a theater, everything's kind of controlled. Mm-hmm. When you're performing in an outdoor musical... The heat fluctuates, the wind fluctuates, the sky fluctuates. It might start raining on you. There might be lightning. You might have to stop. I mean, birds are going to fly overhead. <laughs> tell me, tell me what that's like just performing there as opposed to performing, you know, in a in a typical setting. Yeah, I think the variables are what is exciting about it. You know, I think it's um, it's it's there's something about performing outdoors. Um, I've I've always been enamored of of being able to be a part of something that is a performance outside under the sky. Um, I don't know. The nature aspect of things just kind of creates a, an energy and a dynamic that you can't really anticipate. And mm-hmm. it's different than when you're performing inside. Um, but yeah. there's a lot of reaction that happens when you are performing. It's, yeah. You're not just reacting to another person. Sometimes you're reacting to the weather. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we. I remember there were times where the we had a, a burrow, a, a, a donkey, that would um, <laughs> just decide to, you know, bray. And then, you know, and sometimes on top of your dialogue and, and you just, yeah, it was just kind mm-hmm. of that interesting, you know, very organic kind of experience. And I, I loved it. I mean, we had, we had insects and, you know, it was hot. There were times it was so hot. Um, yeah. And it, and it, sometimes it, you know, we, we, it would start raining in, you know, random places during the I remember one performance I saw where they were talking about how it had been so long since it rained, you know, as it was the drought portion of the show. And all of a sudden there's this big rainstorm and they kind of ad-libbed around it and, yeah. and kept going. Yeah, yeah. I remember many instances where we had to kind of, um, we would, you know, as actors sometimes do, we try to live in the moment. And mm-hmm. so you'd, you'd, have to, you'd have to respond. Or if an audience would see something that was not supposed to happen, you know, um, they'd react. And mm-hmm. you just got to go with it, you know. Um, that's a different that, – it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's related, but it's different. Um, I think the uh, overall, though, the experience of being under the stars in the canyon, and also being a part of a story that is somewhat a part of my own, right. you know, history. I grew up in this area. I was born in Amarillo, and I there's just something about telling a story about the founding of this area, even fictionalized story. Mm-hmm. It that that just feels like you're 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 kind of tapping into the fabric of yourself when, when you're involved in something like that. So let's let's talk about being in Chicago, um, you kind of pursuing the career in in a real way, you know, mm-hmm. in a grown-up way, mm-hmm. and then seeing the opportunity to come back here. Tell mm-hmm. me about your mindset and, and what helped you make that decision. Chicago was is such a great city. Uh and I I'm so glad I had the experience of living in that place and trying to pursue the the profession of of acting Mm -hmm. it it is a hard it is a hard road um you know i did a lot of auditioning with little casting you know little opportunities to actually get into something and perform um i was uh which is kind of the standard story it is that's the way it happens for everybody uh, in many ways It, it is the pursuit of the career sometimes more so than actually having the career. having the career um you know many many acting teachers say your job is to audition okay you know uh, an actress job is to audition and that that is kind of a hard thing to accept but when you when you do start to get comfortable with that it becomes routine and um and it starts to it starts to fulfill you and feed that artistic self uh, 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 you know part of you in in, in the ways that that performance can. And so that kind of became my norm. My routine in Chicago was auditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, I was starting to get some bites here and there, some opportunities and invitations to come in and read at some pretty prestigious theaters. And, and it was, it was a good experience. It taught me a lot about the business of acting. Um, uh, it, while I didn't have just great amount of success in, in, in landing gigs or jobs here and there, I still was able to, 
you know, connect and be a part of a community. And, and that was really fulfilling. Um, but I, I, something was missing and I, I, I started to kind of, um, seek out maybe some opportunities to teach at a college or a university and just kind of testing some water as to, as to job opportunities to, to kind of start tapping back into the things that I had really enjoyed as a student. And that was being really mentored by a really, a really outstanding practitioner, you know, and I kind of considered myself a practitioner and wanted to kind of share my experience with, with students. And so I've started pursuing that. And then lo and behold, um, a job came available back at WT and kind of, you know, my, my wife and I talked about it and it was sort of a joke and we were kind of like, Oh, you know, wouldn't you like to apply for a job at WT, you know, and I just never considered the reality of a job back in a place where we grew up and where I was connected for so long, perhaps then becoming a reality. Mm-hmm. And and so we 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 sat down, it was again kind of laughed about it at first, and then we started to look at it, and then we started to really consider it. And then and then it really became a reality of I think this really fits me. And coming to terms with that mm-hmm. uh, was was a challenge, but we finally did, and I submitted. And you know, lo and behold, um, my former professor calls me up and says, "Would you like to interview for this job?" And so I did a phone interview, and then lo and behold, he calls me up again and says, "We'd like to have you come to campus." And so I in in you know June, this was a, a late late process. Okay. Uh, I was invited to come to WT, and um, so, you know, and it's funny, my parents who live here were visiting me in Chicago at the time that I had to come back to Amarillo to interview at WT. So it was this weird, strange, you know, intersection of events where I was, my, (laughs) my family was visiting me in Chicago because they wanted to see the city and Mm -hmm. see our, our life there and. Here I was Sorry, interviewing. I got yeah. to go back home. Exactly. So I came and interviewed, and it was, uh, it was just it felt entirely perfect and right. And um, sure enough, they offered me the job, and we made that decision to come back. I know that you know while being in that mentoring position at WT and working with students and those productions, you've also been involved with Amarillo Little Theater mm-hmm. from time to time, mm-hmm. directing. You know, it mm-hmm. seems like about one performance or so a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder what you've learned, having been in Chicago, having been in New York, and then coming back to Amarillo, what perspective you have on the local theater community and the talent that's here and, and what's produced in this area, whether it's students, whether it's the you know the uh, more established people who are volunteering at ALT and all yeah. that kind of thing. I, I have, uh, I think... In, in a lot of ways, a renewed respect for the the talent and the commitment to the arts here at, in Amarillo. Uh, I, I encountered a lot of people in Las Vegas and New York and Chicago and California. And, um, and I think, you know, at times the business of, of theater or business of acting or, or performance in general is is can be tough because there are people that are kind of jaded or it can kind of beat people up, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, the being being an artist and um, and they kind of lose that spark and that passion and that 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 thing that's inside of them that's driving them to do it and of course when you come back here and you're around people that have haven't had to go out and pursue it at that to that degree or in that at that level and start to try to make decisions based around survival yeah you know. It, it, it's a different experience. So I, I think the people here, the talent, have always impressed me because they're particularly, you know, the students at WT, the the people at ALT, they are so kind of innately committed to just being a part of creating something. Mm-hmm. The creative process to me is so important to so many people here, and I don't, and many of them perhaps don't even know at 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 what level they're currently a part of that. You yeah. know, they're going a lot by instinct. They're they're operating based on, you know, experiential kinds of of art making and 
um, versus being trained to do it. And yet the quality, I think, in inherently is high because they are so passionate about mm -hmm. it. And so I, I, I've been really, really fortunate to work with a lot of amazingly talented people at ALT and just, just incredibly talented young people at mm -hmm. WT. And a lot of a lot of crossover between those. Oh, so absolutely. You have a lot of students yeah. who end up on the stage at ALT. Absolutely. LT. And that that's a great, you know, I've, I hope, I, I've tried to be a part of building that relationship, mm -hmm. you know, between this training program, if you will, at WT and these, you know, an entity like ALT that provides the opportunity to practice and, and, and get on stage or be a part of a production team or, you know, be backstage and, you know, just be be literally kind of practicing the craft of theater, um, and it's it's just been a really rewarding experience to to be a part of that. Uh, particularly after kind of traveling the country, and yeah, being seeing so many different levels, and um, and again, uh, many times great, sometimes you know difficult, mm -hmm. and um, you know the business again of of theater and acting is always tough. And sometimes it's nice to sit back and just enjoy it from the pure artistic, you know, form and standpoint. Yeah, so. and that's that's one of the things that I've heard from from people going to shows at WT or at ALT is they'll see something and it might be a production that they're familiar with. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've seen it on Broadway mm -hmm. or uh, seen one of the traveling shows, mm -hmm. and you know they they sit through the performance and then when it's over they're like. Well, that was really good. Almost as if we're we're surprised, yeah. you know, at the quality of something mm -hmm. here in Amarillo. Yeah, uh, and and I think that's one of the things that I think that's always so pleasing about that is you you don't have those moments that make you think, oh, well, yeah, it's community theater. That's right. here's something weird that happened, or yeah. somebody who's not quite get like it's it's almost always surprising. Yeah. And surprisingly good, yeah. and and I think that's maybe we sell ourselves short as a, a place for artists. I, I mean, I think maybe, maybe I think I think there's 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 a lot of inspiring performance happening here, and you know um, sometimes we I don't know um, success in the arts is is measured in lots of different ways, and I think sometimes communities can forget that. The success of creating something at a level, you know, just being able to get a bunch of talented people together and tell a story yeah. is an accomplishment. And that's a success. And that we're, we're feeding the arts by just simply trying to do that consistently and having people come and want to view it, want to see it, want to be a part of it uh, from an audience perspective. Um, that's another great thing about it, uh, Amarillo is I think the community does still even after all these years, after I came back, you know, um, nothing has changed mm -hmm. in regards to the community's support of uh, its art organizations and um, what they contribute to the community, you know. And I, I, I think that's another thing that's, again, I'm, I feel blessed to be able to be a part of that while also practicing with students who right. are really wanting to pursue it for careers. Um, it's a great kind of dual experience for me, which, which I really value. And so at, at this point that, that experience or that career of your own has kind of come full circle yeah. and now you're back making the transition out of teaching and into, you know, overseeing the Texas production. Right. And so that's a, that's a new job, I guess, that's mm -hmm. that's in the process of happening right now. Right. You're, you're still teaching, but uh, you're preparing for the summer. Uh, tell me tell me about how that happened and, and kind of how you you navigated through that decision-making. <laughs> Good, great question. Uh, <laughs> Do we need to start another podcast episode <laughs> no, to get no. to that? Uh, it was a hard decision because, you know, I feel very committed to, to the job I have at WT. And I, I am fortunate in this new opportunity with Texas to continue to be a part of WT. So, you know, I will continue to be able to teach and that's important. I think that was maybe the thing that was most important was, can I continue to, to be part of the program at mm -hmm. WT and continue to contribute uh, and, and work with students? Um, I mean, the one-on-one, -on -one, uh, you know, acting student and acting coach, you know, kind of, relationship is so important to me. And I, I think that 
even artistically fulfills me as much as performance. So I'm, I'm lucky to get to do that. But the opportunity to kind of circle back here after about 20 years uh, after being in the show mm-hmm. uh, is just, again, it feels fortuitous. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. I just, I kind of feel like I'm once again, lucky enough to be a part of something that helped make me and perhaps, you know, help that same thing happen for the next generation of people that are going to be a part of the production. Um, so I'm, I'm just kind of blessed with that. I, it was not an easy decision because I, I have a, a lot of, I'm coming out of a lot of responsibility, um, helping our department as an administrator. That was probably the thing that was most difficult because I, you know, you, you're, you're asked to be a leader of something and then, okay, this, this other thing wants you to be kind of step in and be a leader here. And this has to, to go away or be sacrificed. And I, I've, I've struggled with that a little bit because I, I really take great pride in what I do. And I, I probably work harder than I should mm-hmm. at, at times, sacrificing myself even uh, for the betterment of the department at WT. But I, but this just kind of came back to me in a way that felt right. Again, uh, it just felt like um, uh, this was going to be something that would allow me to, to kind of come back into something and contribute in a way that I hadn't before. So I'm excited about the the challenge. What's what's the official title? Artistic te- director. So what does that what does that mean for those who are not in the theater world? Yeah. Is it the same as directing a play, or is there something different? Yeah, it's, it, I think it's a little different, and I'm kind of actually fulfilling perhaps two roles. No, the the artistic director position, in my opinion, is someone who is going to help uh, lead the artistic vision of an organization, generally a theater company or a theater organization or a, pro- a, a production company that produces some sort of uh, artistic product. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm uh, I'm excited about being a part of some decision-making that helps look to the future okay. of performance down in the canyon. Um, that that facility, the amphitheater, the, the possibilities for building out additional things that might come as a part of and centered around Texas that offers the community, you know, more things to, to get involved with and see and experience. And then the second part is, um, you know, stepping into the director right. role. What happens on the stage exactly. each night. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to be kind of serving as the show director, um, working with a choreographer and a music director and designers and, cast and crew to really tell this story of Texas. Um, and with that, I've, I've uh, been asked to, you know, revisit uh, the script and revisit what has been done in the last, you know, recent history of the show. And this is the 56th year, I guess. So there's a lot of history yeah. of Texas and it has evolved and changed and shifted and, you know, things have happened there, here and there. And it should so, because the culture has changed. Right. Exactly. And the way that we tell those stories exactly. has yeah. changed. Yeah, totally. So it, 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 I'm, I think I'm comfortable in helping tell the story for the next, however mm-hmm. long I would direct the show um, and keep the experience of Texas, something that's really, I think a good part of this area in this community. Well, and and you talked about how each actor, say in the role of Calvin Armstrong, brings something to that role from season to season. You're coming in as the artistic director. There have not been 56 different artistic directors. There have been actually very few. Right. And so you're, you're taking a mantle that, you know, some, some other really talented people have, have worn over the years. Mm -hmm. How do you think about, okay, I'm not just going to come in here and disrupt everything and change everything. And, and, but you do want to move forward, you know, maybe with some small steps. Yeah. And so how do you think about, all right, what what are we going to do, you know, to, to kind of bring some of that transformation as mm-hmm. we move into the future mm-hmm. without just disrupting an entire tradition and the familiar show that people who have seen it year after year yeah. want to experience? Yeah, I think it's, it, as you mentioned, the, the kind of the small things that can immediately, you know, and I think that's the the benefit of having somebody with fresh perspective. 
you know, I'm not afraid of change and I've never have been. And I think that's actually something that that helps me in this position to say, it's okay to consider telling this story in in this slightly different way or, you know, you know, visiting, com- coming back to something that that I'm familiar with mm-hmm. from the story that may have may have, you know, been left behind or or omitted for whatever reason. And does that then help me kind of from my perspective tell this story for an audience? I always like to I always like to envision what I'm directing from the audience perspective. I have to because mm-hmm. it it is really for them, you know, and every choice that's made has to be in service of um, the story and the audience receipt of that story, you know. So um, that's my aim. Uh, there's a lot of tradition of Texas, and you know, there's been there's been many changes over the last decade that mm-hmm. that are unique and i'm i'm taking a good hard look at that and trying to determine you know what do we maintain what do we what do we tweak is there anything that can be revisited that was done years and years ago in the show that might find a new a new appreciation today in today's audience i mean society has changed so much yeah. since it opened since it started and so there's also that aspect. I'm I'm right now I'm I'm kind of zeroing in on the Comanche aspect of the story right. and how that that's an important part of the history of this area that I think is really it's really important that we dedicate ourselves to telling that aspect in conjunction with um, the farmers and the ranchers and the you know the pioneers that that came into the land, but. You know who was here prior to that, and mm-hmm. how did that? How, what was that intersection? And I think Texas has always tried to navigate that and tell the story in a good way. And I'm going to continue to try to to do that. And I think right now that story is kind of having a, a moment yes. culturally, yeah. thanks to Taylor Sheridan or yeah. Yellowstone, in 1883. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, even this area right. is is a part of those stories. And so you're you're entering your position now at a time when maybe there's more attention being given yeah. to that time period than yeah. ever before. Right, right. Um, and I, I wonder if you think about your job in relation to that. I do. I mean, I, I it's an important thing to be responsible for an artistic product that that you know really professes to include all aspects of a of a history you know and i'm in, i'm inspired by the the things that are being created you know on television mm-hmm. and and in film and 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 just culturally in in this area that supports you know really continuing to find the connection points in in every aspect of right. the history you know and uh yeah so it's a really great opportunity for me to look at it through I think a, a fresh lens and also the lenses that you know the current society provides yeah. me you're not necessarily going to add a bunch of murders and stuff no. to the show though, no, right? no 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to close by just asking you um, you know I'm, I'm thinking of audience members uh, of my listeners who maybe saw the show when they were kids mm-hmm. and haven't been back mm-hmm. you saw it as a kid and then you acted in it as mm-hmm. a young adult and now you're you're in a directing position. Mm-hmm. What's your pitch? Why why should people come back to the show? Local people. I, I know that travelers are always, mm-hmm. you know, coming to it, and it's on that radar. But why should local people come see it this season? I think probably two two reasons I would I would give, or two two aspects of a pitch to to come back and see Texas. Number one, the pandemic has changed our perspective of life. I think and. And I think there is a real need for people to get out into the open mm-hmm. and experience something. So there's something about Texas being outdoors in the Paladura Canyon, under the stars, and telling and fictionalizing this sort of foundational history of this area it, there's something about that that I think is needed right now because of of kind of the the challenges that have been faced over the last two years. So there, there there's that immediate aspect of 
you know, this could be good for your for your soul to yeah. get out and and see some performance in in the canyon and take in the beauty and the majesty and and the story itself is all about the love of this area. Right. You know, so if you're a local uh and you love this this area and this community, you know, this is a great opportunity to come out and and kind of connect to something that's trying to feed that back to you, you know. Um and then secondly, I think um my commitment this year is is artistic quality and if there's any or if there has been anyone local that has been at all wishing for more artistic quality or commitment to the show texas i i really think this is the time to come out and see what we're trying to do um not to say that there has not been artistic quality and commitment to that but i think with with a fresh you know uh lens again a fresh uh, fresh eyes a, a new way of looking at the production mm-hmm. particularly from someone who was a part of it as a performer i think that opens up the possibility for a, a new experience of texas you know um the story told in a slightly different way that might connect more so than it ever has so i'm i'm in, i'm inviting people to come and see what we're doing from that standpoint you know what how does texas really reach you um my hope is that this this summer is going to be a summer where texas really does kind of spark your imagination inspire you make you feel make you see the you know looking backwards what has been now kind of accomplished and created you know i always think that I'm I am where I am because of people that have come before me and the things that have been established that l- have led me to this point and I think this is a good opportunity for locals to hopefully have that experience. This episode is also brought to you by Pestex Pest Control. Been with Pestex sprays my house every few months and this is a good time for him to come by because the weather is warming up and the insects are starting to wake up from their hibernation or whatever happens. I'm not a bug expert. Ben is. But all I know is that Pestex keeps those insects out of my house. Pestex is locally owned. They use pet-friendly products. They can do additional yard sprays for flies, fleas, ticks, mosquitoes, all that stuff as we get further into the spring. But most importantly, they don't have a one-size-fits-all approach. They evaluate every customer's pest problem and find the best way to solve it. To get in touch, call or text 806-433-8841 or look up Pest Techs on Facebook or Instagram. Okay, I'm back with Stephen Crandall. Stephen, this is the part of the show I call 8 Straight. 8 Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon, which I know is also part of the cultural foundation of the Texas Panhandle. So there's a relationship there. Mm -hmm. And right now you can see it's Texas Dressed Special Exhibit on the second floor, which features some of the costumes from the show over the decades. I've seen it, and I was surprised at like how much they had changed, knowing that they're all costumes supposed to have been worn in the same time period by Mm -hmm. the same characters, and Mm -hmm. yet there's a lot of change over the years. So it was an interesting uh, exhibition. I, I think people should go see it. Uh, you can learn more at panhandleplains.org. Okay, first question, and this is one I've been asking all my guests over the past 18 months or so, is what's one thing the pandemic has revealed to you about local people? I think I have been so inspired by people, just just the community's resilience to all of this. Um, I have not felt like Amarillo or Canyon have has lost a step. Um and there's, you know, there's this, I don't know, there might be a stubbornness about <laughs> this area. Yeah, um, I think so. And so there's Dates some, back to those ranching and, uh, and farming days. Yeah, I mean, the hardship that even Texas, for example, tries to depict. Uh, there's a resilience. I, I have sensed that, you know, the hospitals and the, and the medical staff in this community have just risen to every challenge. And they've worked tirelessly. And yet people have, have also tried to continue living their lives as best and safely as they can. Um, and I think there, there's a lot of resiliency in the community, which which I think has been displayed through this challenge. And I imagine you've been a part of a lot of conversations trying to 
mitigate those risks or, or deal with that stuff, whether it's on stage in the theater, whether it's in the classroom at WT, all those different things. Absolutely. It has been a real challenge, but we've, we've, we've risen to every challenge. I mean, that's that, again, that, that to me is the thing that has been the lesson learned for me. Uh, you know, all of my colleagues and my students and the people that I've engaged with in the community and the way the community organizations have continued to to operate, um, you know, the support that people have given to mm -hmm. places like ALT and the symphony. I mean, it just really is remarkable that we've gotten through it as, as we have. Okay. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of? <laughs> I would say fast food restaurants. Okay. Is that fair to say? I think that's Pretty fair. Although we may not be that different from any other community I know, in that I know. regard. I, I'm, I'm, I'm longing for um, that middle option for food choices, you know, that aren't, that isn't quite so. Maybe that's my own need for getting healthy. I don't know. Well, that's, that's where you have the fast casual option. Fast casual, you know. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What does this area not have enough of? I think, I wish that Amarillo had more, I'm going to say this, I don't know if this is going to be perceived as, as, as accurate or not, but maybe just more like outdoor spaces, venues, performance okay. spaces. Um, I think we have a fair amount, but I think there could be still more opportunities to, to engage each other more in an outdoor space that, um, is, is really kind of curated and cultivated mm -hmm. for, for, for getting people together and enjoying something and of course, I'm always performance oriented, right. so performance comes to mind. But it could be anything. I think it's improving. I, you know, agree. I think we have places like Starlight Ranch that are, are offering outdoor concerts and, and really starting to move forward that way. But you're yeah. right that until you know four or five years ago, there wasn't much, right? Other right. than the amphitheater, right? You know? Right, exactly. So yeah, I'm. But I'd love to see it continue to grow. Opportunities to to just carve out little spaces to get people outdoors and experience something. Okay, how do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? <laughs> you you may be like, you know, working with actors who are coming here, who are getting cast, who don't necessarily live in this area. I probably describe it a lot of the ways Calvin Armstrong <laughs> describes it, which is it's it's flat and it's wide open, but in that there's a lot of just beauty and majesty in it. Um, I mean, I think the thing that I love the most about living here is the sense of, 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 of the earth, the sense of sky, the sense of, of breathing space. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I, I think that's probably the thing that I always try to list off as a, a, a selling point. Okay. Yeah. What's your favorite neighborhood in Amarillo or Canyon? I'll, I'll let you go both ways. I have always loved the Bivens neighborhood. I, I don't, I live in uh, kind of on the outskirts of Wolflin, I guess. Um, but Bivens, I don't, there's something about the streets, something about mm -hmm. the the homes, uh, the the trees. You know, it just it's quite it, it feels quieter than other neighborhoods that I've been in. Um, it there's I like the history, yeah. you know, of it um, and all of it. I think there's just so many rich little sort of textures in that neighborhood that really appeal to me. Okay. What's your favorite local restaurant? My probably wife. not a fast food place. <laughs> yeah, probably not. My wife and I love El Tejavon okay. on, on I-40, um, just for that, what feels like truly authentic right. Mexican cuisine. I, we just love it. Every time we go, we just, it, we just walk away <laughs> really completely happy. stuffed and yeah. feeling great. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite local coffee shop? Palace Coffee in Wolfland has really kind of become probably my my favorite spot because it a it's close mm -hmm. and but b it's i just like the vibe um i like what what patrick and crystal have done as far as building their business mm -hmm. and um and i i like the the ability to go in there and also have a drink in the evenings yeah. if you so choose at the royal bar and so yeah, Palace on in Wolflin is probably my favorite spot. I, I feel weird if I go in there and I don't know somebody. Yeah. Like I feel like something's off. Yeah, right. Um, so exactly. it's, it's one of those good meeting places. Exactly. Okay, I, I typically ask people about Paladura Canyon. I'm not gonna do that for you. <laughs> when was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? I'm shamefully probably about six years ago. That, that's that's not bad. Yeah, I went I had a, a friend visiting and we, we, we went out there and 
spray painted some mm-hmm. some things and uh, had a great time. Uh, yeah, I I I've always I don't know I, I I like Cadillac Ranch. It's a really kind of just unique, cool, interesting, quirky thing that exists here that. Um, I always love seeing it. I wish I, I need to get out there and see it more. Okay. Well, that concludes the eight straight questions. Steve and I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to experience? You know, my wife and I have consistently tried to be um, good about giving to the Downtown Women's Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, there's something about that that organization and what they do so I mean from a from a philanthropic standpoint I'd say if you're you know if you there's a place to contribute they they do a lot for women that are really struggling mm-hmm. you know with homelessness or domestic abuse or and it it just there's some you know my my wife is so passionate about trying to support the women of this community through through specifically that organization and um they do great things so I I would encourage anybody to consider giving to them or donating old clothes or, right. you know, they're, they're, they take donations regularly. They're so generous when, when you step up and, and bring them, you know, this or that, um, they, they seem very appreciative of, of every, everything that somebody gives them. So, and they find a place and a way to use it for people. So. Yeah. Okay. Stephen Crandall, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thank you for having me. This has been a pleasure. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Stephen for the interview. You can learn more about the Texas Outdoor Musical at texas-show.com. And I believe tickets are already on sale for this summer. I also want to thank sponsors Union Hall Workspace, Pestex Pest Control, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for supporting the show. Thanks also to Angelina Marie for editing this episode. If you like this podcast, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or leave a review Uh, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Uh, Leave a review on Facebook. I don't care. Uh, I do want reviews, though. That's that's nice. It helps other people find the show. As usual, this podcast exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you, so thank you so much for listening, and also because of the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Heyamarillo's executive producers include Wilson Lemieux, Corey Burns, Wes Reeves, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 238, if you can believe it. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.